If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim. Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Too often we push on through tough times and we quickly push ourselves to get over it. Yes, I am doing the air quotes. I know you all can't see me, but I want you to know that's what I'm doing. Whatever life has thrown at us, sometimes it feels like a 90 mile per hour pitch that has been thrown at us, not just tossed at us, thrown at us, at our face. Hello, somebody. And I know that what connects us is that we all have experienced some type of pain and some type of grief in our lives. It's called being human and loss hurts us deeply. Many people deal with tragedy differently, but overall, the feeling of loss is a universal feeling. And sometimes people don't give themselves a the time to grieve. Well, I'm here to let you know that it is okay to allow yourself to have those moments, to have those feelings, to really be real and get deep down inside of how you are feeling. It is okay. And it is always helpful and kind and kind of spiritual to hear others tell their powerful stories because we are connected by stories. Stories are a love language. They say that music is the universal language. Stories are the language that binds us all together. 
And how do we deal with the loss of a loved one or something that hurts us so badly? So here to help us take a deeper look at the grieving process and how to navigate through grief while still loving on ourselves is Marissa Renee Lee. I can't tell you how excited I am to have her on the show. And I know I say this every single week because you guess what? On Hello Somebody, we only bring the most fabulous people. But let me tell you a little bit about Marissa. She is a called upon advocate, writer, and speaker on coping with grief. Her acclaimed debut, Grief is Love, came out in April of 2022, unspools the story of her own grief journey, and offers a compass to others navigating loss. She is a rabble rouser of social healing, the former managing director of My Brother's Keeper Alliance, co-founder of the digital platform Supporto and founder of The Pink Agenda, a national organization dedicated to raising money for breast cancer care, research, and awareness. She is a regular contributor to Glamour, Vogue, MSNBC, and CNN. She is a graduate of Harvard and an avid home cook. She lives with her husband, Matt, their newborn son, Bennett, and their dog, Sadie. Oh my God, Marissa! It's so good to have you with us Yay, today. I'm so happy Thank to be you. Here. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. And the topic that you specialize in is so timely, and I do believe, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. That the pandemic has exacerbated feelings of suffering and loss, and people are just kind of wandering around, even if they haven't physically lost someone in real time. I talk to people all the time who do have like just a feeling of loss or yes. a feeling of that they are lost yeah. because of all the pressures of life. So I want to center our conversation with a quote from Helen Keller. And Helen Keller once said, we bereaved are not alone. We belong to the largest company in all the world, the company of those who have known suffering. Oh, I love that. And I, I just think that is such a truism. So that. talk to us about what led you on this journey and how it is that you are using your own life experiences to minister to others. Well, first of all, thank you for that incredibly generous introduction. And thank you for making time to talk to me today. I am a huge fan and followed your campaign and was cheering you on from afar. So thank, thank you for you. the work that you are doing in the world because it is deeply, deeply important. So, you know, as I'm sure you probably can guess, I became interested in grief and figuring out, you know, what it really is and what we do with it because I got stuck in the midst of it. My mom was sick when I was growing up. She had multiple sclerosis. And then as I was graduating from college, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, which we knew immediately was a death sentence. And so I spent the few years after I graduated trying to help her and my dad figure out how to manage just a very complicated healthcare situation. And at the same time, you know, I committed myself to doing everything I could to prepare myself, my family, my mom for her to make this final transition. You know, I did all of the research. I had the spreadsheets with the funeral songs and Bible passages and what she wanted to do with her things. And I had all sorts of hard conversations with her. And I felt like I had prepared myself for my mom to die. 
And then it happened. And I very quickly realized there is no adequate preparation for the loss of someone you love. And I spent a lot of time kind of stuck in this place of judgment and shame because I believed that, you know, someone dies, you do the funeral, you're sad for a few weeks, and then you get over it and life moves on. And I eventually hit a wall in that thinking a few months after she died and decided that, you know, there was nothing wrong with me for still having all of these feelings. Like where the problem sits is in how we talk about and define and describe grief and loss. And so I decided I was going to write a book in August of 2008, six months after my mom died, that would not be just sad and depressing. And that would be an honest account of grief. And it would also be a New York Times bestseller. So far, we've checked two out of the three boxes. So I need everybody to go out and buy Grief is Love so we can check the third box as well. Yes, go out and buy. Where can, <laughs> since we're on that, where can people find Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, truly anywhere you buy books. So do okay. pick it up. But it took a pregnancy loss and the pandemic for me to actually start to put pen to paper. In late 2019, my husband and I lost a much-wanted pregnancy that we spent years trying to make happen between money and fertility treatments and all the doctor's visits and egg donors and everything else. And when we lost that pregnancy, I realized that I really wasn't over the loss of my mom. As we sat in our grief, you know, trying to figure out what was next for us, you know, what we were going to do to grow our family and just mourning all of the hope that we had for this child that we were not going to have anymore. I realized I needed to find a way to more concretely redefine grief for myself. And that actually led to me redefining it in this book. Like I wrote my way through the pain and ultimately concluded that grief is not just about the specific moment in time when you lose someone you love. Grief is actually the repeated experience of learning to live in the midst of a significant loss. And I say repeated and I say learning because at this point, you know, I'm almost 15 years out from my mom's death. There are constantly things that come up, good things, positive, you know, happy moments and sad and difficult moments that connect to the loss of my mother. You know, I'm not going to forget that she existed and that we had this unconditional love relationship. And so what I have committed to do and what I try my best to describe in grief is love is continue to have a relationship with her. What does that look like? And that's what I am hoping to help others with as well. Yeah, that is a powerful, powerful thought. I mean, I'm just getting the chills listening to you share your stories as I did in the opening intro. Stories bind us together. It cuts away from all of the you're different from me kind of thing that we go through as human beings. We can relate to each other's stories. And that part about to continue to have a relationship with her is really bringing tears to my eyes because I lost my mom. It's been over 30 years now. She died wow. in 1992, a brain aneurysm. Oh, Jesus. Fully unexpected oh, death. Oh, God. I remember seeing her that morning. I was in my early 20s. 
you know, trying to find myself yeah. like most yeah. 20 year olds yeah. are. Exactly. The oldest of seven children and to be told that my mother was in a hospital in a coma. And then shortly after that, the doctor saying, you know, she's not coming back. This machine is keeping her alive. We need to unplug her. Do you want to donate her organs? Oh my God. I cannot and, imagine. Yeah. I found myself questioning my faith. Oh yes. Oh yes. hundred percent. Relationship with God. Does God exist? Why would you take my mom and leave so many other bad people living yep. in the world yep. or even older. Yep. She was 42 years old, for God's sakes. Yeah. So just listening to you, I can relate. I consider what you're doing a ministry and how you oh, are thank you. helping other people heal through the process because it is hurtful. And as you said, I'll have moments where I can handle that my mom is not physically here. Yeah. And then I'll have moments as an orator, I usually tell you know, her story, some way it fits into a speech that I'm giving about hope and about promise because I consider mm. myself very much a cycle breaker. I was not supposed to achieve what I achieved because yeah. my mom died so young and I'm the oldest of seven children. And you know, all of the stereotypes oh, of yes. having a, a single mom, you know, custodial parent, seven children, yep. all of that. And then there are days where I can't tell the story without sobbing like a baby. Yeah, like and it that's was okay. yesterday. And that's okay. And that is... One of the most important points in the book, and it's the first chapter and it's the longest chapter for a reason, is the chapter on permission. Like you need to not feel bad about the fact that it's been 30 years and sometimes it still brings you to your knees. Like I think the sooner we normalize grief as more like a wave, you know, I think about it like the ocean, like the way the tide comes and goes, like that is what grief is, as far as you can tell at 30 years out. And as far as I can tell at almost 15 years out, like it comes and goes. And I think we need to culturally normalize that experience for people, especially yes. in this moment of time where there are so many people who are newly bereaved. And we need to shift our framework around acceptance because you and I, like, we will probably never fully accept and be totally a thousand percent okay with the fact that our moms aren't here. Like they're our moms, like that's it. Right. That's right. And I think what acceptance should actually be is acceptance of grief as a normal part of your life from here on out. You loved her. I loved my mom. Like we don't forget about them. And the thing that I want to make sure people know is Grief is love. Yes, it centers my experiences with grief and loss and the lessons I learned and the mistakes I've made. But everything in the book is grounded in the leading research on grief and loss. And specifically, this theory that I did some extra research on called the continuing bonds theory, which argues that one of the healthiest ways to live with loss is to find a way to continue your bond with the deceased in the present. Like your mom still loves you. So what does that look like for you today? That is so beautiful. And I think it really fits with not a Western tradition, but I would say an Afrocentric tradition, non-Western yep. cultures yep. tend to commune with the ancestors. With the ancestors. Yes. hundred percent. And it reminds me very much of Black Panther. Yeah. Really drove that point home, the ancestral plane. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Native American traditions. Yes. Yeah. Like I think these ideas that we still tend to have in this country around grief and loss, for better or worse, just like everything else in this country, they are ideas that are connected to 
whiteness and that's right a eurocentric framework for how we do things and that's just not it's not the only way to do things and that framework does not necessarily work for us i do believe yeah. that there's a cultural connection you know even though many of us have never been on the continent there's these carryovers within the spirit. It's in the stratosphere. It's not physical. Yeah. But there are carryovers. The whole notion of you know, pouring libations for my homie. Yeah. 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 In that way, that is that carryover. 100%. All right. So there we were cruising through the new open air zoo when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, palbociclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There was something you put in your book, Grief is Love, you say, and I quote, I didn't give myself permission to grieve. I gave myself permission to step up and soldier on. So too often, you know, end quote, too often we quickly just dust ourselves off without really taking the time to settle into really how we're feeling in the moment. And you did kind of hint at that when you talked about the process of you and your husband yeah. being pregnant and then having that loss another loss and through yeah. the loss of that child, you realized I'm not done grieving for my mom. Yeah. How did you come to that point when <sighs> you said, I'm not going to continue to journey this way. I'm going to take a different path. Well, I mean, 
I will never forget like the day that it was like physically the worst, because that was the other thing about the pregnancy loss. I was dealing with both my emotional pain and like serious physical pain, unfortunately. And I was on the floor of our bathroom, like trying to fit my five, 750 pound self onto our bath mat, just sick as a dog, you know, like I could barely lift up my head to look at my husband. And in that moment, like, all I wanted was my mom. And soon after that moment, the pandemic started. And suddenly I found myself grieving for not having my mom there with me to like help me figure this out, help us figure out how to move forward, like as a couple, as a family, like what were we going to do next? But then I also had the grief that like we were all experiencing when all of a sudden life as you knew it disappeared, right? And I felt like what I am doing, what I have done to this point, you know, for the 12 years prior following my mom's death, like it wasn't enough. Like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working for me anymore. And so I decided I needed to double down on my commitment to not getting over it and really give myself permission to have all of these complicated feelings about these two separate, but very connected losses. And that I was just going to be okay with that, whatever that meant. And that's what I committed to. And I wrote an article about it in May of 2020. And a lot of people agreed with me. And that then led to where we are today, like the book deal and grief is love. Uh, that is so beautiful. And just the countless people who are going to be blessed because you had the courage to use your life experiences, share them, be vulnerable enough to share them, turn it into a book. And now millions of people can read it and they can even though people grieve in different ways, they don't have to go through it alone. Like you're helping yes. them parse out ways to deal with it. I feel another quote coming on. This is uh, Sister Taraji P. Henson. Oh, yeah. And she, she said, first of all, it is entirely impossible for any human to always be strong. I was mm. always apprehensive of the term strong black woman because it dehumanizes us and makes it seem like we don't hurt. Oh, oh my God. Now that's oh pretty Oh my God, I tears. love that. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that in the context of your your book? I mean, this is probably even beyond the context of your book, but Taraji is making a really strong point. I mean, on one side, being called strong is supposed to be a compliment, something yeah. you revel in. But on the other hand, it does signal that you don't hurt and that you're not vulnerable and that you don't need love and help. Yeah. So one of the things that I was forced to do as I worked on grief is love was constantly go back and ask myself, why, like, why did I handle the loss of my mother so differently from the loss of this pregnancy where I was very open about it and like told everybody and just like did whatever I needed to do. And, you know, why did I feel like I couldn't do that back in 2008? And what are all of the things that impact who I am and how I show up and what I feel comfortable doing in the world? And I realized that, and this is so obvious in retrospect, you know, you cannot separate your identity from your reality. So there were definitely things that I did and ways in which I responded that were very much rooted in this like strong black woman narrative. 
And I took it a step further and also realized we as Black women have been forced to be strong because more often than not, we are not safe. And when you think about being vulnerable and grieving and giving yourself a space to kind of like fall apart a bit emotionally, it is really hard to near impossible to have true emotional and like psychological vulnerability if you lack safety. And so I think it's really important in conversations about grief and loss and trauma and healing and really pretty much everything to think about whether or not people are safe enough to really grieve and to heal. And do we even give everyone equal access to the things that facilitate healing, like time off from work, access to mental health, you know, resources, et cetera. But while you're on that point, Ursa, too, is Black grief different? I mean, because you brought up the point that everybody doesn't have access to the same tools. Grieving is universal. Don't get me wrong. Yes, yes, yes. Grief is universal. But I think grief and healing, which is like a really important part of this conversation, right? Because we're talking about living with loss, not just like experiencing something as one moment in time. Sure. All of those things are harder if you are not safe. And that it means like emotional safety, physical safety, economic safety, et cetera, which I think therefore means that grief and healing, it's harder for black people. I think it can be harder for women. It's harder for folks from Native American communities, LGBTQ plus communities, et cetera. And what I have been thinking about more recently is like, like what does it look like to grieve if you are a woman who has an unwanted pregnancy right now and lives in a state where abortion is no longer legal? You know, what does it look like to grieve if you are the parent of an LGBTQ child in Texas or Florida? Like you can't take the time to grieve if you don't feel safe in doing so. You know, if you're if you're worried about the well-being of that child or your own well-being in the other example. So yes, I, I think grief is harder for for folks who are more marginalized and who have been made vulnerable by society. Yeah. Wow. This is, I mean, we could spend We could talk about this all day. (laughs) Yeah. Just really peeling back the layers. Grieving a process, never ending, giving yourself permission, knowing that it will be with you for the rest of your life. And that's okay. You're saying this is okay. What are some of the tools or some of the ways or tools that you use and or that you could recommend to others so that they can deal with, cope with, live with their grief and know that it's okay to do so? Yeah. So one of the things that I think we don't talk about enough within our community is the importance of accessing quality mental health resources. You know, grief is really hard. And while it lands differently for everyone, there are things that studies have shown around like how grief impacts your body and your brain. And I think having professional help to work through that is really important. And I personally have accessed it multiple times through my grief journey and many different therapists, some better than others. But I think sometimes we we overanalyze 
therapy and view that relationship like a marriage when really I think of it more as like a dating experience. You know, you don't have to be with this person forever, but if you go into the relationship with clear expectations and boundaries and, you know, knowing what you'd like to get out of it, I think it can be incredibly helpful. The other thing I will say has been really important to me throughout my process is just accessing other forms of support, whether it's paid support or family and friends who want to help you while you're grieving, you know, saying yes when someone offers to make dinner or watch your children or, you know, asking for someone to take your dog for a walk so you can take a break and do a workout or go to therapy or whatever, like asking for and accepting help, I think is a really important part of living with loss and really dealing with any of life's significant challenges, right? The other thing that, and truly this is the thing that has helped me the most And this is the primary premise behind Grief is Love. And that is finding your own way to continue to access the love of the person who's no longer here and making sure that translates into real tangible things. So I'll give you an example, because this is one that I am still working on in my own life. You know, I'll have these moments where I will just feel like, oh, I really miss my mom. You know, I wish my mom were here. And what I have been trying to make myself do more recently is ask myself, like, what am I really missing? Is it the way she would encourage me when I would feel disappointed after something not working out at school, you know? Is it uh, the way that she would rub my back and like, you know, provide that kind of like physical comfort? Is it, I would really love one of her meals. Like, you know, like I try and get at like what it is. And then I try to find a way to access it myself. You know, if it's, I'm feeling discouraged because something professionally maybe didn't work out the way that I had hoped, like I'll text the friend who always has something nice to say. You know, if it's, I am just feeling exhausted and looking for comfort, I'll try to go to bed earlier or take a long shower and like hide from my husband and my kid for a little bit, you know, like, like I try and think about like, like, what is it? Is there some sort of gap that I can fill here or that I can have filled in some other way? Because, you know, at the end of the day, I know my mom still loves me just like I know your mom still loves you, but they're not here. So like, what, what do we do about it? How do we care for ourselves in a way that keeps us connected to these people who love us and are no longer living. Yeah, all of that. How about meditation? Or- oh, yes, 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 yes. I am all about meditation and just so much, whether I like it or not, I have come to realize that so much of grieving and healing is just quiet time by yourself. And I think giving yourself that gift of space to just be present for yourself and to be present for whatever feelings come up as a part of your grief, I think is really important. Yeah, all of that, all of that. Listen, you all, you got to run out. Don't don't walk, (laughs) run. Or you know what? You really don't have to physically go anywhere. You can just go online and order, order this book, (laughs) Marissa. Renee Lee, grief is love. And if you don't need it for yourself right now, order it for somebody else. 
this life's journey, all of us are going to bump up against some type of grief, some type of loss of a loved one or loss of something, something that you wanted. I believe, Marissa, that what you're talking about is interchangeable. It's not just about losing a physical person. Yeah. People can lose things. Yes. So the book obviously centers my experiences of loss with my mother and our pregnancy, but I've had friends reach out and say that they realized as a kid, you know, they were grieving when their parents got divorced or another friend who has had some significant health challenges come up in recent years and is, you know, partly disabled now say that this book helped her think differently about her loss of identity. Sure. So yeah, it's not, it's not just death. Unfortunately, grief is a part of life and we need to normalize that is a part of life. We do need to normalize it and take some pages of the books of other cultures that handle this much yes. differently than we do in yes. this Eurocentric world view of ours in the United States of America. One last quote to close us out. Lisa Oliveira said, just because no one else can heal or do your inner work for you doesn't mean you can, should, or need to do it alone. Oh, You are not alone. Marissa and I want you to know that you are not alone. So whatever you're going through right now, you need to know that you are not alone. Please, please go get professional help if you need it. Hug on a loved one if you need it. And by all means, go out and get this book. Grief is love. Marissa, Renee Lee, it has been such an honor to have you join us today on Hello Somebody. Coming. The pain is numbing. Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something. Embrace the love for your brother and sister. Unity's the missing brush. We need to puzzle this picture. Let's paint it up, frame it up for the world to see. Hang the hatred up. Enough is enough is enough. Making changes on us. In Turner, her voice is the truth. Her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof. It's the end. Never give up. Keep conquering goals. To the eye, intelligence, silver, wisdom is gold. Back to the end. Now is your time. Stay firm. Don't fold. To the A. All you need is the three bones. That's what Granny said. Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread. For all of here, just give her your ear. She can take you to the promised land. I swear, world peace is what they fear. From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here. Famous. Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. 
Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.